Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another round of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Are you ready to get equalized? With me always, my buddy Mike. Mike, are you there? Yeah, I was uh, just processing. I don't know if I'm ready to get equalized. Oh, come on. That was a wonderful pun for the lead-in on this episode. I don't know, man. That was kind of lame. Oh, son of a bitch. Do you want to start over then? Is that what this is? No, no. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, everybody, we're going to be talking about Equalizer 2, uh, starring uh, the one, the only, Denzel Washington, uh, Pedro Pascal, Ashton Sanders, Orson Beam, Bill Pullman, my favorite role from Bill Pullman is the president in Independence Day, and then Melissa Leo. That is blasphemy, because the best role that Bill Pullman did, and you know it, was Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Yep. All right. Well, anyway. Um, so, this movie was directed by Antoni uh, Fuqua, and it was uh, written by Richard Rink and Michael Sloan. And Richard Lindham. And uh, the summary of this is, Robert McCall serves an unflinching justice for the exploited and oppressed. But how far will he go when that is someone he loves? All right, then. Other than butchering a couple names, that was solid. That was good, Mike. That was good. Yeah, thanks. Even though you practiced. (laughs) Yeah, I practice sometimes. Yeah, you do. All right, so uh, The Equalizer 2. Denzel Washington's first and only sequel. Yes, his only sequel. So that brings up a massive question right off the bat. Why did it take him so long to do a sequel? Or was this movie so good that he decided to do a sequel? Because I think it's a personal thing of he doesn't like to do sequels. He wants to do one role and move on to the next. Yeah, that's probably true, but um, what I was going to bring up, and I'll bring it up a little early now, was uh, my fiancé uh, always tells me that Denzel only plays the same role in every movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think so. But and that's from the Maniacal Mags. Yes, she she kind of says he's, he's like a, a serious tough guy always, or just a serious uh, role. He doesn't ever do, like, comedy. I was like, well, he kind of did, like, Two Guns. It was kind of like a buddy cop movie. And there was some comedy, but most of the comedy was on Mark Wahlberg's side. So, Well, I personally really enjoyed Denzel Washington, and no, it is not because he was moving to Prescott and then immediately canceled. Um, that's he a was long moving, story. He was moving to Prescott. Oh, Tell yeah. us more, dude. Tell us more. Okay. You, I thought I told you this story. Maybe you haven't. So it was probably close to around when I started. His kids were in high school or they were just going into high school or something like that. And Denzel Washington loves Prescott. He, I don't know if he had bought a home yet or if he was going to build a home or whatever, but he was going through the logistics of moving here uh, living here, having his kids attend the Prescott High School public school. And the problem and the reason why he did not move here 
and he canceled all of his plans is because the high school would not allow um, armed bodyguards to sit with his kids in the classroom. Now, they said you could have the bodyguards. They had no problem with that, but they did not want them armed on campus. Oh, man. So his kids would have armed bodyguards around them all the time? That's that's what he wanted. He wanted, when they were in school, he wanted armed bodyguards there. Now, I don't know. I don't remember exactly when this happened. I'm sure a lot of the uh, school shootings had come into play to go along with that. But we have a resource officer, it's dedicated Prescott police officer, like most high schools do nowadays, that that's his assignment is he is at the high school when the high school is in session. And he is armed. Right, right. But that was always interesting because Prescott is one of the most, if not the most lenient place in the United States when it comes to gun control. But I understand. I wouldn't want... um a stranger sitting there with a gun in my kid's classroom either. So I understand that standpoint, but huh. Arizona, I, I don't know if you know this, Mike, since you've left, Arizona does not have a concealed weapons permit policy anymore. Oh no, I did not know that. Anyone is allowed to conceal a weapon in the state of Arizona. Oh, you don't have to have like a license. You do not have to have a License. license. Right, you can carry a a concealed weapon on you at all times, and most, even gun-friendly states, at minimum, usually require a concealed weapons permit. Here, they do not anymore. And another one that was fun that got rolled back when I was working in the newspaper is that all businesses, private or public, must have a sign on their front door that says, no weapons allowed. If they do not, you're allowed to carry a concealed weapon firearm into that bar into that restaurant into that walmart if you want if they have a sign on the outside that says no weapons allowed then you are not oh that's interesting and that was real interesting when that passed because it was pretty much across the board no guns were allowed in bars unless you're a law enforcement official interesting very interesting so, anyways, that's the little tidbit on Denzel Washington when he almost moved to Prescott. All he right, might, Matt. he might have a home here to this day, maybe a summer home, but I don't know. His, I, I don't know any more than that. Don't work at the paper anymore. Don't really care. So, I personally love Denzel Washington. I think he's an incredible actor. Uh, I love a lot of the films he's done. Training Day, Man on Fire, um, probably my favorite is uh, the Book of Eli. I absolutely love that movie. Um, I really enjoyed the first Equalizer, and I have to say I enjoyed Equalizer 2. I thought it was a very good movie. I definitely recommend people to go see it, but I did find some flaws with it. Mike, what did you think of Equalizer 2? Yeah, I think I have to agree. I I enjoyed this movie. Uh, It was a fairly good sequel. Uh, Covered uh, all the bases, but um, there, there was some flaws, I think. All right, so Mike, let's go ahead and get into it. What uh, what did you find that you did not like about Equalizer Two? Um, the pacing of this movie is a little bit slow sometimes. So it has some some action in the beginning, and then it has a little bit more action, and then it's slow for a while. And I understand, but it just seemed like some of the pacing wasn't quite right. 
I, I will uh, echo that. I, I agree with that to a level. Um, the biggest issue I found the pacing wasn't great, but I think if they would have kept the same pacing throughout the entire movie, instead of ramping it up to like an 11 in the end, I think it would have gone a little bit better. I really thought it was a great movie for probably two thirds of it. It was different. It was unique. It wasn't exactly like the original equalizer. He was doing a lot of the same things, but he wasn't, he's a Lyft driver cruising around town, helping out random people. And that's inspired from the first movie, clearly. But what I didn't like was the ending. The ending was extremely similar to the first one. And that really kind of bothered me. I wanted to see something different. Yes, it's a sequel, but you didn't have to make it almost the exact same ending as the first one. The locations are just different. Yeah. Yeah, the ending is something that also bothered me a little bit, but uh, I'm, I'm going to get there, get to that. Uh, I did like him, seeing him as a Lyft driver, and I like the overall like tone of the movie of Denzel was a little happier. I mean, he's not an extremely happy guy, but he, he wasn't as like deeply depressed. Um, yeah, as the first one. As yeah. the first one was very sad to start with, and... Um, well, I, I wonder when the time frame is of the first one. Uh, for those of you who have not seen the first one, his wife is passed. Uh, they never really explain much about what happened to her. Well, obviously she died, but they, they don't explain that it was a gruesome death or a horrible death or cancer. They never really explain that. And so I wonder if like the first movie takes place like almost immediately after she dies. But they never explain that. So that might account to the depression. Yeah, no, they don't explain that. But it seems like in this movie, he's found kind of a purpose again. And uh, like you said, he's a Lyft driver and he just kind of finds things along the way to help out some people when he can using his special set of skills. Uh, But um, the ending was strange. I... I don't know why they had to do what they did. It, 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 I don't know. Maybe they felt like they needed to have something kind of like the first. I don't know. Are you going to get into spoiler territory here, Mike? Or are we just going to say you weren't a huge fan of it? No, I think I'm going to get into spoilers. Um, okay. Kids, if you have not seen this movie and you care about spoilers, don't listen. Uh, go ahead and stop. Mike and I are going to start getting into spoilers. Here's your warning. All right, Mike, go for it. Yeah, I'm not sure why we needed to have, like, a hurricane at this town battle scene that was kind of, or very similar to the face-off at at the um, Home Depot-style apartment uh, place. Yeah, uh, I I understand, like, kind of why they did the hurricane, because then it gives them an excuse to chase everyone out of the town, and so that they can use the whole town as a set. I understand that. But it doesn't mean I liked it. The other thing I really didn't like is um, it's almost exactly like the Home Depot thing. He's hiding, you know, in the town, in different buildings, in different homes. And he sets up traps, much like what he did in Home Depot. Well, not Home Depot, but the whatever, home improvement uh, store. Yeah, yeah whatever equivalent it was. Equivalent to, um, I don't, it was like Home Riders. It was something that was close to Home Depot, but it wasn't actually Home Depot or Lowe's. But it was like that, those kind of stores. 
Right. And so that's basically what the town was for me. He's running around, setting up traps, doing all this shit, picking them off one by one. It was the exact same ending as the first Equalizer, except instead of it being that, it was in a town during a hurricane. Yeah. Um, One thing, though, that I really liked about this movie that was a little different was uh, I enjoyed how uh, Denzel was uh, helping... um, one of the kids in the neighborhood who was, he's a young black man and he's kind of on his path to joining the gangs and going a bad way. And Denzel's trying to, to help him. And I thought that was an interesting, good message. It was like, Hey, there's other things for you. I enjoyed that story a lot. I thought it was a good addition to this film. I wish there would have been maybe a little bit more to it. Like maybe you would see the kid going to school or going back to school or whatever, I wish there's a little bit more to it or maybe um, change the ending and have like the gangsters like gang up on, you know, Denzel Washington, go after him for taking the kid away or whatever. I don't know. But I thought that was a very interesting, poignant part of the film. And clearly Denzel is kind of being like a father figure to this kid. Yeah, yeah, he is. But I liked how that was kind of addressing what some people see as a large problem today. And I thought that was cool because he was kind of trying to show that there's different ways to do stuff and you don't want to go down this path. Even right. though he's. Because yeah. clearly Denzel had gone down that path. He just went down that path in a military capacity instead of a civilian gangster capacity. Yeah, and there's there's one other thing that I liked about this movie. Um, you don't have to have seen the first one at all. No, not really. You, I was telling uh, my buddy Dave, you, he was going to go with me, but he bailed on me at the last minute. But um, I told him, you know, you really didn't have to see the first one to enjoy this one. Now, if you had seen the first one, it, it helped with the character development in this one, that's for sure especially his uh, f- uh, lady friend. I- I'm forgetting the character's name now. No, uh, hold on. But that was a massive, massive development in her because she is a big factor in the first movie. Not a huge, huge factor, but a bigger role in the first one that definitely plays a role in the second one. Susan Plummer is the character's name. Yeah, Bill Pullman's wife. Y- yes, uh, Brian plumber is his character's name but so i think that only added to it like the character development of also denzel washington and all the things he went through to get him to the point where what he wants to do is help people instead of just be a mass murderer or not a mass murderer but an assassin like he used to be now he's actually using it to help people and so that's kind of what the first one did is it was character development for this one it wasn't you have to see this one to be able to enjoy this one you can go out and just see it. Yeah, yeah. You so yes, it definitely builds on the the first one if you've seen the first one. But I was it was nice to see that you could have just watched this out of not seeing the first one, and you would have got most of the stuff. You might not have understood some of the connections with some of the characters as well, but you could definitely get through it. All right, so Mike, what? Oh, I'm trying to think what I was going to ask. You know, one thing that kind of bothered me, I guess was um, the people that were going after him at the end, 
I think was supposed to be his old crew. I don't know if all of them were supposed to be his old crew. For sure, the leader was his partner. They explained that. But when they show up and he walks outside and he's talking to them one-on-one kind of thing, they all kind of know who he is and seem to know him more on a level of, oh my God, instead of being this great assassin that's still alive, it seemed like they all kind of knew a little bit that who he was and everything like that. Is that how you felt and read that part as well? Or do you think there were just a bunch of guys that were working with his former partner? No, I, I believe that they were uh, former associates or at least knew he knew some of them because there's a point in the movie when he was asking um, what's uh, the, the one character, hey, have you, have you talked to the boys? And I think he was talking about their former uh, kind of co-workers. Yeah, their, their team, I think. Yeah, I think they yeah. were in a, a full-on kind of... Uh, I don't want to say like assassin team, but like maybe a little, you know, group like agents, kind of like Mission Impossible-ish, you know, operatives, you know, a team of operatives. There's like four or five of them. Yeah. And I think those guys might have been part of that team because he's like, no, I haven't heard from them since I changed or whatever. But that's before we find out more. All right. So what what else? uh, Well, you know what? Screw it. Let's roll into it. Mike. How does the Equalizer 2 relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, Matt, thanks for asking. Uh, The art director for this movie, Lauren Rosenblum, also worked on Ant-Man. Nice. Nice. So art direction, what does that shit mean? What what does that shit mean? That's what I was going to say, and I stopped saying shit. What does that mean? Does that mean she was like the director of painting the sets? Or was she like the director of all the digital coders that made all the sets? You know, I have no idea. All all I uh, did is look up uh, somebody that related. And, uh, man, this movie, it, it was it was a little bit challenging. It seems like when people work on some movies, they work on certain kind of movies, and they just kind of keep rolling into those movies. Like with same producers and stuff, it seems like it's very small. You think it's yeah. like niche? Like they're like, oh, I like yeah. this dude because I worked with this dude on Thor, so he's gonna do all the Thors until the day he dies, and then we're gonna hire his children. I don't care if they're engineers; they're gonna be our art director. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Nice. Well, Mike. What else do you want to add about The Equalizer 2? So I am automatically biased because I I really like Denzel Washington movies. Uh, Like Matt said, um, Man on Fire, uh, Glory, Training Day, The Book of Eli, Fallen, one of my favorites from him. Uh, I was going to say, what is your favorite Denzel Washington movie? Man, I don't know. Man on Fire is up there with me for for me. Uh huh. But um, I also like Fallen because the bad guy wins. Yeah, Fallen's good. I don't know. I still I really like the Book of Eli, man. And it's not even the religious like part of it. Just the the cast and the acting and the sets and the how they shot it and the colors palette and everything. I just really it reminded me a lot of like uh, Mad Max or. You know, something like that. I really oh, yeah. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. For sure. Right. 
I just I just really like Book of Eli. Anyways, yeah, I'd say Book of Eli and probably Man on Fire and probably the original Equalizer are probably my top three Denzel Washington. Well, Glory, I mean, Glory is freaking incredible. Yeah, and then, you know, I was looking at other movies he's in. He's in so many good movies, like John Q and Remember the Titans and oh, Philadelphia. Yeah. With, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Tom Hanks? Oh, yeah. man. There's just so, so, so many. Yeah, but do do you think Denzel always plays the same character? Like I don't. M- Maniacal Mag says? No, I don't. I don't think so at all. Well, and you know one that I haven't gotten to see that was nominated last year that I want to see, and I think it's on either Netflix or Amazon or one of those is Fences. I never got to see Fences. Did you see Fences? Of course I saw Fences. Did you? Um, it's Ugh. It's kind of sad. Um, is it it's a very serious movie unfortunately mag is kind of right he always has these kind of serious roles but i like him i like all his roles so whatever but what's wrong with him being a serious actor you know a lot of serious actors don't translate into comedy whatsoever they're just drama actors you know they just are yeah yeah i think I don't know. I, I think uh, it would be interesting to see if he did kind of a different role than his normal. And I don't, I can't think of any movie lately that he's done that's outside of his, I guess, Denzel type role. Yeah. He, well, did you see uh, Roman J. S., uh, Esquire? Roman J. Israel Esquire? No, I wanted to see that. I didn't get a chance to see that. Yeah, I never saw that. We had it for like two days here, and I never saw it. But, you know, I guess Mags is right on a certain level where he almost always plays like a guy that's in charge or a guy that's in power or that's downtrodden, that's in control of things or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, like Flight. Flight, I don't think, was a typical... um, Denzel Washington role, and I, I enjoyed Flight a lot. That was really dark, though. Yeah, but that flight, he was, flight is dark. He was a he was a man that was out of control in that movie. You know, just full on out of control. You think he's got it, his shit all together, but he is not. He has fallen apart. He is the you know raging alcoholic drug abuser that has his shit together, but behind the scenes he's falling apart. Yeah, and he flew out of Orlando with that crazy flight. <laughs> nice. But that's, I think that's probably maybe his most recent, not typical Denzel Washington role. Because, I mean, that's that's the complete opposite of something like this. Or Man on Fire or Training Day. Yeah, I really like Training Day because that was, man. He was or really American, American Gangster. That's another really good one. Yeah, no, he ha- his list is so long of movies that have, like, I think I've seen almost every movie he's been in since Glory. Yeah. You know what? We should just change the name of this podcast to, instead of The Real Film Nerds, we'll just be The Real Denzel Washington Talk. Oh, okay. Not even Equalizer? We'd be like, nope, not Denzel even Equalizer Washington too. with a little bit of Equalizer too. Matt and Mike are obsessed with Denzel Washington. That's this podcast. <laughs> okay, I like it. Dude, he but, is a he is probably a, one of the greatest actors of our time. 
you know, everybody talks about, um, oh shit. What's his name? The dude that the big time character actor that recently said he's not doing anything anymore. Uh, Daniel day Lewis. Everybody talks about Daniel day Lewis being like one of the greatest actors of this generation. And will we ever see another actor like him in all this? I don't know, dude. I would put Denzel Washington up there right next to Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, yeah, and Daniel Day-Lewis has only done a handful of movies because he yeah. was super, super picky. Yeah, he's crazy picky. And then he he's uh, he does that um, character athi- acting uh, methodology acting, like what Jim Carrey kind of does sometimes, where he lives the role instead of just being the role on film. Yeah, so he becomes the character for the time. Right, so that's why he does so little films, because he really just embraces it. Like, uh, for instance, uh, my Seth, uh, our former co-host, Seth, obsessed with Daniel Day-Lewis. He told me some interesting trivia when we reviewed that Phantom Thread, that Daniel Day-Lewis wanted to get so into this character that he sat down and made a full-on dress. He's never made a dress before, ever. And he made a high-quality, you know, art dress from scratch, start to finish, for that role. That's just insane. Well, how else are you going to know what it takes and how, how to do it? So that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but I'm just giving an example. You know, that probably took him a while. That probably took him a year or two to make a dress, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I bet it would. Imagine if you just had a year of time, Matt, to learn anything new you wanted to do. Uh, could I be an alcoholic? Could I learn how to do that? Oh, no, you know what? I probably already know how to do that. Hmm. What would I do with a year of learning? Yeah. No, no. You don't have to worry about any bills or anything. All you do is just learn about something. Oh, like, I know what I know what I would want to do. Even though it would suck because of my giant size, I would love to be a pilot, commercial pilot. Yeah. See, that'll take more than a year. Uh, oh, at yeah. At least of flight time. Oh, yeah. It'll take me a hell of a lot more than a year in flight time. But, all right, we're getting super off topic. So, all right, let's just bring this back, reel it in, bring it back, reel it, it in. in. Reel it in. Real film nerds reeling it in. Real film nerds reeling it in like we're reeling in our next podcast, which will be Jaws. Yeah, that that was a good lead in to the movie uh, Jaws that is going to be this this uh, week, uh, uh, Sunday, uh, July 22nd is the start of Shark Week on the Discovery Channel, 30th anniversary, and... Kind of in an homage to that, we're going to review a legacy cast of Jaws. Yep, for Thursday. So make sure and look for it this Thursday, peeps. If you want to hear us rant and rave about Jaws, I'm sure we will talk probably about Richard Drivis and his uh, acting chops and not Denzel Washington's. So, you know, if you like Jaws and Sharks, make sure and take a listen. Or Steven Spielberg. That's another good one. So, all right, Mike. Back on topic. Equalizer 2. How many reels? 
I will give this three reels out of five. I I, I uh, recommend everyone see this. This is a this is a good movie. Man, dude, you are a lot a lot harsher than I am. A lot harsher than I am. I thought this movie was great. I just had those couple little qualms with it of the ending being the exact same ending as the last one. I, I, the pacing didn't bother me nearly as much as it bothered you, but I give it four out of five reels. I think you should definitely go see this movie, especially if you're a Denzel Washington fan or you're just an action fan. Yeah. The action scenes were top notch. Um, when they happened, they were awesome. I think it's a, I don't want to call it a sleeper hit, but I want to say I, it's, I was surprised when I went and saw this on Saturday. I guess I can't be too surprised because it was the first show of the day and I do live in uh, gray hair hell. So, but I almost had to sit in the front row, man. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, movie press uh, update, please. I got lucky. I got real damn lucky. I went to the 1120 showing on Saturday, which was the first showing and it did not have peak pricing, so I freaking checked in and walked in the damn theater right there and then. Now, I was going to go with my buddy Dave to the 2 o'clock, which had peak pricing, and so did the 4, and so did the the 9.30, I think. And they all had peak pricing, but not the first showing. So I was quite happy. But I did have a friend bail this week, and I don't blame him. He works odd hours. He has a full-time job, and then he owns the local comic book slash game store. So he cannot go and see movies at what you would consider predictable hours. He kind of goes when he can go. And he still has not been able to see Ant-Man and Wasp because Ant-Man and Wasp is still peak pricing. And it's been out for, what, two weeks now? Oh, really? Ant-Man and Wasp is still peak pricing? Here at the Prescott Picture Show it is, at least when he's tried to go. I went before the peak pricing thing really kind of started coming hard. And so I was able to see Ant-Man and Wasp without paying peak pricing. I have, to this day, only paid for one peak pricing. And that was probably the last movie that ever should have had peak pricing on it was Skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that opened well in uh, China. Go figure. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like Equalizer 2 uh, has uh, edged out Mamma Mia to top the box office this weekend, which is somewhat of a surprise because apparently everyone thought Mamma Mia was going to make $40 million, and it looks like it didn't. And uh, Equalizer 2 made almost $36 million. That's crazy, man, because... Mamma Mia is one of those movies that I will never see, uh, no matter how much my sister and my mother and my father, everyone keeps saying, oh, you need to do Mamma Mia for the podcast. You can kiss my ass. I am not doing a musical. I can't stand musicals. We're not doing Mamma Mia. Okay. So we'll, we'll do the, the, the um, Star Wars, the musical. If there was a Star Wars musical, I still probably would not be able to see it. I, I would lose my damn mind. All right, all right. I can't. I can't do musicals, man. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. At least not movie musicals. I've gone to a few in person that are fine, 
But I made it through 15 minutes of La La Land and I had to turn that shit off. And I paid for La La Land because I wanted to see it because it was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, yeah. I liked La La Land. Dude, I couldn't make it. I could not make it. It was just so hokey, especially the beginning where they're fucking dancing around in cars and traffic. Come on. I I know you can practically do that in L.A. because the traffic literally does not move. But that just, no. Nope. nope. Well, well I, nope. I just recently, uh, the Maniacal Mags wanted me to watch uh, The Greatest Showman. So that's uh, I heard wo- that Wolverine. was really good. Yeah. It is really good. It see, is really good. And that's one I kind of want to see, even though Wolverine can't sing. I still want to see it because I like the story. I mean, Barnum and Bailey, that's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really well done. The music is very good. They did a good job. But that's really surprising that Mamma Mia did not beat Equalizer 2 because lots of people have been talking about it. Lots of people. Well, keep in mind, this is, uh, this, this is recorded on Sunday, and uh, sometimes this the Sunday they guess based on the numbers from Friday and Saturday. So uh, some things could change, and by tomorrow they could be like, oops, we made a mistake. Mamma Mia is number one. Oh, that's true. That's true. All right, well, Michael, anything else you want to add about Equalizer 2 this week? Uh, no, I think that's I think that's it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this was fun. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.